How we doing? We good. We back, Doug. We're back. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's good to be back in the Locked On Hornets Lounge. Good to hear the music again. This We're out of the holiday, man. We're back in gear, just in time for Christmas. <laughs> it's almost Christmas. Do you know what you're getting me yet? Uh, I'm going to give you this Pocky uh, One Chip Challenge uh, to eat for yourself. To eat for me, in fact. Take Ooh. a... Take a bullet for the team. Yeah, that's right. It's official. Uh, our friend Mike, friend of the show, bought the Pocky One Chip Challenge for me to eat because I lost the Draft.com Challenge here on the show. That was the rule. $60 for this. I'm hoping, David, that this is some kind of $60 Amazon scam. And when I open this box, I haven't opened it yet. When I open $60 this... $60 inside? Well... I hope there's nothing inside. I hope this is some kind of scam where I open it. I'm not going to open it until Friday. I'm going to do this on Friday. We're still working on getting Nick's chip. Uh, but a good time to mention, so subscribe to Patreon. <laughs> help us out. We need more chips. Help, help get Nick's chip. Uh, this says, do not eat if you are sensitive to spicy foods, allergic to peppers, nightshades, or capsaicin, or are pregnant, or have any medical condition. Any medical condition. At all. At all. If you have a headache, slight headache, perhaps uh, dry skin, don't do this. Oh, boy. Sounds delicious. So there's only one chip in there, is that what you're saying? No, there's got to be more than one chip. I don't know what. I'm going to open it, and my face is going to melt off like the guy from uh, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, yeah. David well, it's been cool hanging with you. Hope all the buzzing maniacs and Dougaholics had a great Thanksgiving. We did, David. We did. A wonderful Thanksgiving, full of... Delicious drinks, delicious bourbons. Mm. Oh, that's real nice. <laughs> okay, we got a big show. I'm going to put the Pocky chip away, and we're going to get into this if you're ready, David. Let's do it. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcast. On the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports, we are coming to you live from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte on this Tuesday morning. Good to be back on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets. Subscribe for notifications when we go live in the mornings at 8 o'clock a.m. I'm Doug Branson, joined by my co-host from the mean streets of Cotswold. Live, his face is showing up today and that beautiful, beautiful hair. David Walker. Thanks for saying all those nice words. I'm so glad they had a little break here, Doug. I feel like the Hornets needed a little time to get right. I feel like we needed a little time to get right, too, after the holiday break. But it's time to get back rolling here. That's right, because the Hornets are going back on the road. And it's somewhere where they have struggled. They will be playing Toronto on Wednesday and then uh, the Miami Heat on Friday night. Two uh, Eastern Conference opponents, one 
in Toronto that is playing very well, one in Miami that's playing on and off. So an opportunity for the Hornets to show that uh, they've improved since that six-game losing streak, that they've turned the corner defensively and are able to beat good teams in the Eastern Conference. So we're looking forward to previewing both of those games. This show is brought to you by our friends at Frame Warehouse. They have the best price on every framing project that you can think of. Visit framewarehouse.net today to find one of their six locations in Charlotte. And uh, visit tpublic.com and search for Locked On Hornets. We've got some great T-shirts, mugs, all kinds of merch there for you to uh, explore. And I've got to, actually I've got a picture of one of our fans uh, wearing two of the T-shirts. So if you're on YouTube.com, you can see him modeling. <laughs> oh man, that the, is fantastic! The Buzz City shirt. So the the Buzz City Fraser shirt that you see at the beginning of the YouTube shows, and then our Buzzamania shirt for all the Buzzamaniacs out there. So Man, he looks like he's about to rip that thing, Hulkamania style. <laughs> I like it. Don't rip it though. Well, you can get another one. Actually, rip that one and then you get another one. That's right. Okay. So visit tpublic.com, search for Lockdown Hornets. There's a link in the description of this show, too. So uh, head over there and uh, get your Christmas gifts for yourself. Buy something for yourself or for one of the Buzzamaniacs that you know. Coming up, we've got a great show. We're breaking out uh, the hot take machine for the first time this season. That will be fun. But first, we have to get to some less than positive news, David. Uh, this on the Kimball Walker front at practice yesterday. Coach Clifford giving us an update on Kimball Walker's status. If you'll remember, he left Saturday's game against the Spurs with a shoulder injury. How did he feel yesterday? Not that good. Um, you know, he wasn't able to do anything at all. And uh, so I think, you know, I don't know. You know. We'll see tomorrow how he feels tomorrow. He did return to the game, David, and played really well, played fantastic, uh, was perfect from the field after he returned from it. He got his arm caught in between LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, he was down for a while initially. We thought it could be very yeah. serious. I had images of torn labrums and Michael Kidd Gilchrist running through my head, but he did come into the game several minutes later, seemed like a stinger kind of issue. They called it a bruised left shoulder. Um should we be worried about him not playing against the Raptors tomorrow night? Oh, um, well, you're certainly worried anytime it involves a Kimball Walker, but man, I'm torn on this one because he came back in and played, <laughs> right? So he's so tough that I think if there's any way he can well, be out there, he will. It's it's kind of like you gotta be worried. Yeah, but it's kind of like a night out with your buds drinking some suds. It's always it always like hurts more the morning afterwards, you know? So he was probably had the adrenaline sure. running. And, and maybe they gave him a little something for the pain, and he got back out there and made it happen. Uh, but I could definitely see him not playing against the Raptors tomorrow night. We're going to get an update on his status at practice. If he doesn't practice today, I imagine that his status will be very questionable for that game against the Raptors. We do know that one thing, that if Kimba Walker can get his body out there, I mean, he's yeah. just the ultimate competitor. He's going to play if he can. But yeah. at the same time, you know, you don't you don't want to push that with your best player because if there's one player on this team that that the Hornets cannot afford to be without for more than a game or two, it's Kemba Walker. Yeah, but that being said, I don't think practice is the last is the telling detail, right? Like I could see him not practicing and still playing. If there's one guy that could do that, it's gonna be Kemba. 
Um, so I think he'll he'll give it he'll do all he can to play. If he doesn't, that means it's legit, though. Um, well, we know it's legit, but if he doesn't, that means there's a little more worry in their minds than than if not. He's been more important to the Hornets' success this year than any year since he was drafted. He's averaging 35 minutes per game, 22 points, 6.2 assists. That, if it held, would be a career high. And four rebounds, according to uh, cleaning the glass, the Hornets' half-court offense is 12 points better with him on the floor. And the opponents... (laughs) (laughs) The opponents... Well, yeah, that's a given. But opponents are 10 points worse. That's double-digit. I mean, that's 22 points essentially better with Kimba Walker on the floor than uh, with him not. So, yes, I mean, that seems obvious, David, but at the same time, those are... Those are huge numbers. Yeah, and uh, you look at some of these stats from the early going here in the season, and we're almost, Doug, we're almost 20 games in. Can, can you be- believe that? Have you taken a chance to let that sink in? We're almost at the quarter quarter mark. Well, we're almost at the quarter mark, and, and I think the Hornets are about where I thought they would be, honestly. Uh, I, I didn't think that they would take this path necessarily where they started 5-3 and three to begin the year and then went on a six-game losing streak. I, I thought it would be a little more even than that, but I wasn't, with how tough the schedule was and the injuries that they were dealing with, I was not prepared to think that the Hornets would have a winning record by this point in the season. I knew that they they were going to have to survive, and survive they have. Yeah, so the schedule you think is the biggest thing playing against that. I mean, the injuries haven't helped, but going into the season, we looked at the schedule, and this, like you said, is going to be a bit of a tough stretch, but I get how... Like, I haven't paid a lot of attention to the standings thus far. I just pulled them up, and I can see how if you're dipping into the Hornets right now or if you've checked in a little bit throughout the season, it's irritating to see that, to be honest, because that's where it ended up last season, and it's just like you want this team to get there over the hump. You don't want them to be in those 8, 9, 10, 11 slots. You want them to be more comfortably up above the 8 line, uh, and they're just not right now. So I get it if some fans are are frustrated, but I think you're right. Uh, the schedule does open up a little bit for them. Hopefully they're getting healthy and certainly they, they need Kimba to do that. But uh, there are, is a lot of basketball left to be played. We've got some questions on the nest right now that I want to get to. And then we've got to break out the hot take machine for the first time this, this season. Awesome. But first, I don't know if you know this, David, but this is the absolute best time of the year to get something framed. Get it on the wall. Get that decoration on the wall. Whether it's a holiday gift or something for your bonus room, now is the time to get your framing done. And you have to get it done right with our friends at Frame Warehouse. We're proud to partner up with Frame Warehouse because they've been family-owned right here in the heart of Charlotte for over 35 years. They have the guaranteed best price on every framing project. At Frame Warehouse, you can frame almost anything for next to nothing. If you can think of it, you can get it framed. We're talking about sports memorabilia, posters for your office, maybe your kid's bedroom, jerseys. They'll even cube up that Frank Reich signed Panthers helmet you always tell people about, and I know you're telling people about it. The best part is that Frame Warehouse makes the whole process super easy. And I don't know about you, David, but when it comes to framing and and really anything, including eating really, really hot chips, I need easy Frame Warehouse has framing experts that will walk you through the process and turn your project around quickly and for an amazing price. Don't let your prized possessions go undisplayed. You have to talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse at one of their six locations in Charlotte or and or you can go to their website, framewarehouse.net, and find the one nearest you. Tell them Locked On Hornets sent you and give them a Go Hornets, Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. 
Okay. Get some questions here on the Nest. We've got, let's see, Double M15 saying, what up, Nest? He's happy to be back with the YouTube fam. We're happy to have you back. And he says, MCW starting or Monk if Kemba is out? I, th- I think it's... No, it's... Uh, come on. Come on. Come on, guys. It's Michael Carter-Williams, <laughs> I think. Uh, it, Valid the- question, but yeah, it's MCW. David, are you like, are you toying with your mic? No, don't. <laughs> Don't put me on the spot like that, Doug. <laughs> Are you? Well, no, you're a Mike rookie. I'm done. You're a Mike rookie. That's the thing. I, you're, you're, this is not, you know, thankfully the subscribers to the Patreon page helped us hook you up with a mic. I know. Okay. Yeah. I'm done fiddling with it. Okay. No fiddling. Uh, no, yeah. No fiddling. MCW, I think d- definitely the starter and, and they've loved MCW's ball pressure, his defense, and they would definitely want him captaining the ship. But you would, I think, see more minutes for oh, yeah. Malik Monk, especially with Dwayne Bacon's sort of dip in offense. We've seen his minutes dip as well, and I think it goes a little bit towards this team needing a little offense off the bench. So I think you're going to see Malik Monk, even if Kemba starts, I think I could see Malik Monk starting to leak back into this rotation uh, if Dwayne Bacon's offense doesn't improve. Uh, Deldrick saying, we have improved the roster a lot by my expectations. Keep rising, too. How do we improve? Are there suggestions for improvement, David? <sighs> suggestions for improvement. Well, aside from individual improvement, um, is that the question? Yeah, just improvement in general, David. What's what, where, where are the areas that the Hornets need to improve? Oh, Sorry, not quite back from vacation here, guys. Um, well, well, certainly fourth quarter execution, man. That's been the biggest uh, thing that's hurt them in these in these losses, Doug. I mean, their execution down the stretch, both on offense and defense. So certainly they got to get back to playing the defense that they are known for and that Clifford likes to see. I still think, I mean, we're talking about Kimba Walker a lot here. They need a healthy Nick Batum. They need someone else in there to take some of the weight off of his shoulders, literally, now. Because you look at the minutes he's playing, Doug. Um, you, you can't afford to lose him. And and that injury wasn't a minutes thing. But, I mean, the more minutes he plays, you know, the more likely he is to get a little worn down. And he seemed a little bit mm, – a little bit tired, you know, in some of these later games. Um, it's early, though, um, and he's performing at a high level still. But they, they've gotten Lamb. I mean, that's a big st- – think about that. Think about if they hadn't ha- have Jeremy Lamb having a career year, Doug, and yeah. continue to do it. I mean, where would they be? Yeah, I, I think they have to continue to get defensive intensity from their second unit. That's a team that has a few players on there that aren't necessarily naturally two-way players. Uh, like Frank Kaminsky, like Malik Monk when he plays, need those players, A, uh, you know, being aware as they can be on defense and giving that 100% on defense, but also knocking down their shots. I mean, it sounds yeah. simple, uh, but this team has to hit open shots, and it's been an issue for Malik Monk. It's been an issue for Frank Kaminsky. Frankly, it's been an issue for Kimball Walker in certain games where there are shots that he normally you know takes and makes that he hasn't been able to uh, so this team is not a team that's going to get away with that. And you saw that against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, both teams playing well on defense in the first quarter, but in the second quarter, uh, the Spurs executing on offense, the Hornets not necessarily doing that. And obviously there were some fatigue issues, but the Hornets are a team that have to knock down open shots, and so th- they have to look to continue to improve in that area as well. 
Uh, so uh, thanks for the question there, Deldrick, and everyone. Make sure you're hitting up. Also, Rich says front court scoring. We win when Frank goes well, lose when he doesn't. We basically live or die by Frank the Tank. I think they can win games where Frank doesn't play well, but it certainly hurts, especially if he's getting up a large volume of shots and not knocking them down. Important for Frank to go in, get early shots, knock those down, get that confidence up for that bench unit uh, to play yeah. well. Uh, David, are you ready to break out the hot take machine? I can't wait. Now, I'm going to give you some some cool takes, right, or some reasonable yeah, so this takes. Is how, so this is how this is going to work. David has some perfectly reasonable evidence-based numbers nerd. Do I have the nerd drop still hanging around? Oh, yeah, here we go. Weak willy, cool hand Luke takes on what's been going on. We're going to take those and run them through the Locked On Hornets Pocky Chip Reaper Pepper Hot Take-O-Matic 6900 patent pending. It's a machine that's just, if you're on YouTube, it's just off to my to my right here. You can't see it. It's beautiful. It's gold-plated. Uh, picture of Rob Gronkowski on it. It's an amazing <laughs> machine. Uh, David, what's your first take? And we'll run this through the machine. First take coming up here, Doug. Perfectly reasonable. <clears throat> Steve Clifford, Doug, since he's been back in Charlotte, has really given this team an identity and transformed the franchise. However, they are 8-11 and 11 currently this year. If the playoffs started today... Reminder, they do not. If the playoffs <laughs> started today, the Hornets would be on the outside looking in uh-huh. again. Doug, if the Hornets don't make the playoffs this year, I could see Steve Clifford being on the hot seat. Okay, that to me, I feel like that's a perfectly reasonable take. But that's not good enough, David. we got to run that through the hot take machine. Here we go. It's being loaded into the machine. Do y'all... Oh I, I, I challenge anybody in this country... That was um, that was our, our patented Stephen A. filtration device. It's like the little, <laughs> it's like the little rocks in your water filtration machine. You got to run. So now that. that's gotta, piping hot. Got to synthesize them. Now it's a piping hot take. Here we go. Clifford only cares about defense. He doesn't like to play rookies. And the Hornets have a great rookie in Malik Monk. He has no idea how to coach offense. They can't get an inbounds play to save their life. He hasn't changed his strategy at all in five years in Charlotte. It's time to fire Clifford and hire a good coach, hashtag good coach, like former Hornets great Kurt Rambis. Let's get the Rambo. (laughs) That is scalding. It's the scalding hot take. Uh, Wow. Okay, so uh, this got me – so this this whole Fisdale thing that's happening in Memphis, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but uh, Coach – David Fisdale has been fired in Memphis after an eight-game losing streak that the Grizzlies are on, and he has been in conflict apparently since last season with the Grizzlies star player uh, in Marc Gasol. And they've been without Mike Connolly as well, but uh, finally, uh, let's see, Fisdale benched Gasol in the fourth quarter of that last game, and that appeared to be the final straw. And Fizdale goes. So. Is there a player, David, that the Hornets on the Hornets that could pull the rug out from Clifford like you saw with Gasol and, and Memphis? I mean, the only guy would be Kimba Walker that I could think of. I, I don't think there should be a player on this roster that would have that type of power. I mean, let me ask you this where do you land on this whole Fizdale thing? Because I think it's a bit ridiculous. I'm not sure that Marc Gasol should have that type of power in Memphis, just given where Fizdale is. It's just he's in his second year. Listen. 
He was pretty impressive last year. He had a quote for the ages. I mean. Take that for data. Exactly. I had it ready. Don't worry. (laughs) No, I'm totally in agreement with you because, listen, uh, Gasol is 33 years old. Yeah. He's nearing the end of his career. He's on a huge contract, yes, but there's two years left on that contract. Could he, you know, could he have made a big deal and tried to, you know, get traded out of Memphis? Could that have been a huge distraction? Certainly. But at the same time, it's not as if he was in a contract year. Fisdale was a, a young coach, a, a universally, I think, respected coach. But on the other hand, oh boy. I feel like if look, if a coach doesn't get along with one of or multiple best players on a team then you got to go. And it's a point I brought up when someone asked me about Clifford. I believe it was on ESPN 730. Look, the bottom line is if a coach cannot sell the best players on the team on the philosophy, on how that coach wants to play, then it, then it doesn't matter how good that coach is. That, good, that coach could be good. Well, that coach no, could be great. But it, everybody's if, on borrowed time. If you're an NBA coach, except for Greg Popovich. But if you can't get the best players to buy in, then it's over. I thought it was important, David. I got a clip to play here. This was Kimball Walker after the sixth straight loss. Uh, After, you know, this was rock bottom for the Hornets just a few weeks ago, back on November 17th. And this was Kimball Walker after the game. I feel bad for Coach. You know, he's constantly taking the blame for a lot of our losses and it has nothing to do with him, man. He's doing the best job he can to, you know, put us in position to win games and, you know, his with his schemes and stuff. And we're just messing everything up. So that was the best player <laughs> on the team essentially giving the coach a vote of confidence. These these kind of things are important. Listen, there's politics in everything. And there's right. certainly, whether people want to believe it or not, there are, there are politics in sports. And and, well, don't him, you, and don't you think Clifford knows that? I mean, he's been around superstars. He's been on many NBA teams to see how this stuff works. Like he knows there needs to be a consistent message, and that's one thing you've seen from this franchise. I think. I mean, the way they've constructed it, I think it, it's clear top down what they're trying to do. And Clifford has buy in um, from this team. He's got buy in from the main guy, which is Kimball Walker. He's also, I mean, let's not forget his relationship with Dwight Howard, who is new, but a huge personality and seems playing, to be, seems to be buying in and, and playing at a different level than he was last buying season. in and, and is also playing his second best player on the team right now. I mean, so far in this season. So you got buy in from those two guys and, but the fact of the matter is everyone in the NBA as a coach is, is living on, on borrowed time. So, I mean, that's the one thing that you keep coming back to and you look for messages that, that are going stale or things that just aren't working. That doesn't appear to be the case based on that quote from Kemba, right? I mean, there doesn't seem to be frustration about the message or the approach or what's going on. I mean, every right. time you hear... But, but, David, I think that had the... Let's... let's like apply the Memphis situation to Charlotte. Okay. So mm-hmm. hypothetically had the losing streak gotten to eight games to 10 games and had Steve Clifford benched Kimball Walker in the fourth quarter <laughs> of a close game against the Brooklyn Nets. If you ask me what in that hypothetical situation, would Steve Clifford have been uh, fired like coach Fisdale? I'm not prepared to say that that would not have happened. 
Because, look, Michael Jordan is, is not oh, known man. for firing coaches midseason. It's not something that the Hornets no. normally do. But at the same time, uh, this th- this situation in Memphis had reached a boiling point. Luckily, I think fortunately for the Hornets franchise, the coach and the best players are on the same page. Uh, because once once yeah. that starts to not happen, that's when... And and listen, Memphis is in a similar situation to the Hornets in that they've got a lot of good players on long contracts, and they're in a situation where it's going to be tough for them to tank if they wanted to just say, "All right, Gasol, you got to go, Conley, you got to go." That, that, well, that that's would the thing; tough. their core, like their core, isn't getting younger. Um, in all reality, I mean, uh, Gasol's probably not going to be there the next time this team tops out, right? Um, and Conley's not playing right now; he's hurt. I mean, there may be a reason why they're losing. <laughs> I mean, when their best player is not playing or their, or their main cog, one of their two best players in Conley. So it's tough to compare to this situation right now, Doug, because I think this one is getting a lot of flack across the NBA. Of course, LeBron's got to chime in. I mean, he's got to make his he's got to make his feelings known. And then, of course, D-Wade's got to chime in. They worked with Fisdale, of course, in Miami, so they're going to have his back. But um, so it's tough to compare it to this situation because I don't think it's being looked upon favorably uh, by anyone. But it's an interesting point because Clifford has been here a while. I don't think we don't think that is the situation. But no. you don't make the but but yeah, it's it important. Does come we, down should to do, results. we should do a pocky chip uh, reaper hot take machine disclaimer that these hot takes. This is just what the machine is spitting out. This is not we don't no, we have no control takes. over that. We have no control. This over is it. just the machine is giving us what the machine gives us. All right. Speaking of right. that, we gotta we gotta move on. We spent way too much time on that one. What's the next? Okay, you've got a reasonable, cool take. The coolest. It's cool stuff. stuff. (laughs) Doug, Jeremy Lamb has been a player of much contention throughout the years. We were hesitant to give him the thumbs up on improvement this year until we saw it. And boy, have we seen it. After starting the season in the starting lineup, averaging about 16 points a game, he's moved back into his bench role, playing with that second unit, continuing Mm -hmm. to average about 16 points a game. Man, until Jeremy Lamb... Until and sorry, until Nick Batum is fully healthy, I'm gonna say Jeremy Lamb should keep starting. All right, that's to me. That's a a reasonable evidence based take. Let's run it through the hot take machine. This, this machine is amazing. A dash of Lavar, a dash of Lavar ball, and they're just sprinkled salt style on that. Jeremy Lamb deserves to start over Nick Batum under any circumstance, plain and simple. He's worked harder, stayed healthier, and we know Nick Batum loves playing with Cody Zeller. Well, let him play with Cody Zeller. That's the mm. that's the hot the hottest take. So 100% healthy, Nick. But so, so again, we do not endorse these. This is just, I'm just reading That's... what the machine has printed out for us. It's interesting, though, David, they, that they decided to go right back to Jeremy Lamb for the starting two look against Cleveland when Nick Batum was not healthy. Typically, you see maybe coaches wanting to leave their sixth man with the bench to keep a balance between the starters and the bench offensively. Could have been an early indicator to me that the best players were going to play a ton of minutes. 
Uh, it could have been an indicator of the struggles of Dwayne Bacon on offense. Bacon was once trusted with the starting two spot earlier in the season when both Nick Batum and MKG were out. So you had Bacon and Lamb starting a lot of those games. But the rookie has had his share of struggles as well. 42.7% effective field goal percentage. That's ninth percentile among wings. He's really struggling at the rim and from beyond the arc as well. Two areas you'd really like your wings to excel at these days. He joins eight other Hornets, David, whose field goal percentage is 20th percentile or lower at the rim. A lot of those come from players in the second unit. Zeller is under 50%, Marvin at 50%, Kaminsky is at 57%, Jeremy Lamb all the way down at 45%. The bigs, you'd want them to be up above 60. Lamb should be at least above 50%. Uh, the Hornets rank 25th percentile at the rim, uh, despite being, or excuse me, they rank 25th in the league at the rim, despite being top 10 in number of attempts. Uh, Coach Clifford has noticed this and said after the game against Minnesota, the second unit's inability to extend leads uh, was in part due to the fact that they could not make the bunnies. He said, quote, you've got to finish plays. It was a problem last year that that should have been a 16 or 18 point lead when the starters came back in against Minnesota. When you get the ball under the basket, it's got to be two foul shots or a made basket. So problems at the rim. Jeremy Lamb's been a part of that as well. That's one area where he'll have to improve. Plus, his three-point percentage has gone down a little bit since his move to the bench. So, what do you think about uh, – uh, that was a lot of information, but what do you think right. What do you think about uh, people who want to see Jeremy Lamb start ahead of Nick Batum under any circumstance? Well, the good news is this is a good problem to have because – and credit to Jeremy Lamb on this. He has played so well to start this season. Sure, certainly should be in the mix for most improved player, uh, I think, this season so far. Really nice to see him do that. But the thing I think you have to remember with Nick Batum, and it's easy to point to one stat, points per game. And that's what most people will tend to point to, Doug. And we mentioned the 16 points per game. The offense has been you know, statistically better – Point-wise, with Jeremy Lamb in there, which makes sense, he's giving you some punch. But Nick Batum does so much for this team in terms of creation. He's a he's a bigger guy on the wing who can defend. You'll still see Jeremy Lamb, you know, miss some assignments on the defensive end, get beat on some of these back doors and games. Uh, but you have to factor in what Batum brings to the table. He makes everyone else better. He takes some of the load off of Kimball Walker. He takes the creation on himself. And I just think he does a lot more um, throughout the course of a game than does a Jeremy Lamb. Listen, Lamb has been amazing, but you play your best players. And Nick Batum, I think, is unequivocally a, a better player than Jeremy Lamb at this point in their careers and as good as Jeremy Lamb has been at creating for others, Nick Batum has been better. His assist percentage slightly above Jeremy Lamb's. And, and to me, one of the, the defining things in terms of minutes distribution is that you want Nick Batum in the game at the, at the end. In the fourth quarter, he's been hitting tough shots lately, and I think there's legitimate questions about Jeremy Lamb's shot selection late in some of these close games that I think gives, gives Nick Batum the... The, the benefit of the starting role at this. But look, yeah. bottom line is you play your best players. Yeah, this is ridiculous. It is a, a bit silly because across the NBA, this, this is not even a question. And I, I think you tune into one or two Hornets games. And like I said, thankfully, this is an issue because Jeremy Lamb has been playing so well. But I, I do want to take 
a little bit of time to say there's a theory out there that I guess maybe Batum is, you know, not tough enough or, or doesn't fight through some of these things. I mean, the guy had a legitimate injury. It flared up and, and that caused him to take Wouldn't another look at it. But Tommy John surgery. Exactly. Baseball. Yeah. But I, and I think, I think no one ever recalls the, the Miami playoff series, right, Doug, where he came back in off that bum ankle uh, gutted through that was not a hundred percent ended up hitting a big time shot uh, towards, I can't remember what game it was, game four or five maybe, but came back in and, and was a key factor in that series, hitting a big shot. So, like, I think the question is toughness for a guy who's played as long as he has, who's been a professional basketball player since the age of about 14, is a bit silly. Um, and I understand the frustration. Yeah, take that. <laughs> okay, final final one here as we, as we get out of here. What's the final yeah. reasonable take for the hot take machine? All right, you t- man, tell me how reasonable this one is. This, this was a tough one, but I did want to work Malik Monk in here because I know there's some frustration about not seeing him on the court. So I'm just going to say, listen, Monk is a rookie. He's a scorer. He needs the experience, Doug. Give him some time running that second unit, playing the point guard. Give him about you know two to three minutes at the, at the beginning of uh, each session with that second unit. Give him some time on the floor. It's a very good take. It's a very reasonable take. Uh, a very balanced take, a very appropriate take. Not good enough. Let's run it through the hot take <laughs> machine. Coach, oh, this is sports. Got a problem. Got a problem. You know, we got to help you. Know. <laughs> Man, I love it when it goes to Such that. Good when you fil- turn it up to. Just good filtration. <laughs> just really applying the pressure needed to get the hottest of takes. Malik Monk is a high-powered, high-octane, high-scoring, high-flying, styling, profiling, limousine-riding son of a gunner that needs to be getting minutes, minutos. Why? Because he was basically a top-ten pick for this Charlotte Hornets team. Where is the rookie? This is clear rookie bias. Play the rookie. Don't be like Fizdale. Don't get rooked. Not going to allow it. Get rooked. That, that get rooked is is the one is the line that gets lost in the uh, data so, line. Well, but it's, it's it's all well. They're they're all over it now because Fisdale got rooked. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So what uh, so, about so what about that? So so Doug, here's a bit of a hot take. I, I think if you're on board with or if you're demanding for Malik Monk to have minutes now that most of the team is healthy and most of the team is back. Honestly, I don't know if you watched a lot of the Hornets early on because mm. as as good as he was in the 25-point outburst, and look, he did have some good games, some good performances here and there to start the season, but his struggles were, were much more prominent to me. He had trouble bringing the ball up the court. He certainly had trouble on defense. You mentioned his struggles and, and the concern on defense from him uh, in our show the other day, Doug. So I think he's a rookie. He's 19 years old. He's handling it well. But they just can't afford to put him out there in a position where they're asking him to run point guard. I know they wanted to get him some minutes there, but it's not ideal right now. They have Michael Carter-Williams. And look, it's just a matter of there are only so many minutes to go around. Jeremy Lamb's playing well. When everyone else is healthy, he's going to be the odd man out. Monk with the bench this season. According to NBA Wowie, opponents scored 1.171 points per possession. Michael Carter-Williams with the bench, that number drops to 1.096. Not a significant drop. A lot of that has to do with 
some of the rest of the bench players. It really hasn't been Michael Carter-Williams' fault. Uh, he is applying a really good ball pressure on some of these point guards. It's something that Steve Clifford likes to point out, and, and you can see it on the floor and in the stats. According to Cleaning the Glass, Monk's steal percentage is .7. That's fifth percentile among combo guards. Michael Carter-Williams has a steal percentage of 3.7%. That's tops among combo guards. And he has a 1.4% block rate as well. That's 94th percentile among combo guards. And I think, you know, I guess Michael Carter-Williams is a combo guard. They play him a little bit with Kemba Walker, but he plays a significant amount as a point guard. And I think if you shifted him to just a point guard in those cleaning the glass stats, uh, he would be 100 on both. I mean, he's doing things defensively that you don't see from every uh, point guard out there. And so he's giving them that added extra element of turning defense into offense, points off of turnover, something that the Hornets struggled with getting earlier in the season. They're getting better at that. And if you look at some of these cleaning the glass stats and you look at what they just added this cool new stat about uh, ex- expected wins versus their efficiency. So like, what does their efficiency say they should win in terms of games and what are they actually winning? And then you compare those two numbers. And the teams that are doing better than expected are there, there's, there, there are a couple of factors that are common among those teams, like Detroit, uh, Milwaukee, even though they're struggling of late because uh, Giannis is <laughs> busy trying to fight assistant coaches, but they're still doing better than expected. A couple of these Eastern Conference teams, there are threads that are common among them, and one of them is points off of turnovers, is turnover percentage, because those turnovers lead to easy offense. And so, it, you know, if this second unit is going to continue to struggle to make shots, to make open shots, then it becomes even more important that they get easy buckets, that they get out into transition, and the best way to do that is to turn over the other team. Michael Carter-Williams, very good at that. Malik Monk, not so good at that. Yeah, and I think something with all these, Doug, and that we have to keep in mind, and we have, I think this is a common theme that's just becoming the way the Hornets are, you know, the way they're built. We've talked about it in terms of season to season and where injuries impact this team. But it's clear that no matter how this team is constructed right now, without some massive like free agent signing or some impact rookie that just comes out of nowhere, the margin for error for them is just going to remain to be very small. And their chances of success are going to be the best when they're constructed, you know, in Clifford's vision, uh, when everyone's healthy and when they're doing things the way that he wants them done on defense in terms of ball movement, in terms of execution. So, I understand there's frustration when things don't work out. There's always going to be questions as to looking at, you know, doing things differently. But from the top down, from Cho to MJ to Clifford, like there's one clear vision on how this team was constructed and who's there. And I think Clifford's gotten a good grasp on how it can be successful. You look at the stats on, you know, the starting five-man unit. It's one of the more – it's one of the better ones scoring-wise uh, in, in, the, in the league. You look at it last year when Cody was in there, same story. So, like, I, I understand why there's frustration when things aren't working out. I just think that this team is put together in such a way they need, they, they need everyone to be healthy as everyone does. Um, but they just don't have a lot of room for error. They need most things to go right. They need Kimber Walker to have a big night. They need help from the bench. Can they win if they don't have all of these things? Sure. 
but that's going to give them the best chance at success. Um, and I think Clifford knows that. And, and for the most part, you know, he's doing things, uh, the right way. Is it, is it sexy all the time? No, but I, I think Clifford is generally regarded as a very good coach across the league. And when you're struggling like this, of course, you're going to get some heat on him. But I, I just caution folks to be too quick to say fire, you know, be a be against Clifford and, and, and have, you know, too much criticism come down on him when this roster, to be honest, is just not striking fear in a lot of people on, on any and given Listen, night. listen, Memphis had J.B. Bickerstaff, who has had previous head coaching experience behind them uh, in, in terms of uh, he he was he took over in Houston and yep. was was really good uh, for that Houston team and was eventually replaced by D'Antoni there. But, you, you know, there's as as respected as Steven Silas is, has zero head coaching experience. So it's it's a sort of a be careful what you ask for kind of situation when, when you talk about those kind of things. All right, so that's the hot take machine. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Whew. Hopefully you found it um, enlightening. I find it entertaining. I find it inspiring. <laughs> All right, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to the pod and get it every weekday. Just search Locked On Hornets and Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. Today, we're going to take you out on a Steve Bob original production. Amazing work here to celebrate our Frasier t-shirt. David doesn't even know about this. This is a surprise for David oh, as man. well. We're back again tomorrow with a preview of this Toronto Raptors game. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. <laughs> Let's swarm Charlotte. This one's for all the Dougaholics, the Lockdown Hornets podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and please subscribe, rate, and review, or join our Patreon page. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed LaCroix and scrambled LaCroix. Let's drink a LaCroix. <laughs> Good night, Buzz City. We love you. <laughs>